We've been preaching out of Psalm 23 concerning the subject, Because He is with me. And we have discovered because He is with me, I trust His sovereignty. Because He is with me, I have security. Because He is with me, I enjoy His supply. And today we're going to preach a message entitled, Because He is with me, I am settled in His house. Say this, I am settled in God's house. So the 23rd Psalm, I'll just read a few verses here. Verse 4, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. And for the sake of time, we'll skip down to verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. How long? All the days of my life. How many of you know that the enemy can only push you back so far before you run into goodness and mercy? And then he says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, I thank you for this day. Each person name by name, but more than that, need by need. I ask you to do something that is really marvelous in our eyes today. Let mercy meet us today. And let a miracle transpire in this church today. Thank you for the lift that we've already enjoyed because of the praise that has gone forth in this building. Thank you for the intimacy of the worship that we've enjoyed. And now, Father, we pray that you will anoint this word. Say things that I didn't study to say today. Let people hear stuff that I did not prepare in these notes today. I thank you for it now. Father, we speak to principalities and powers and rulers in the heavenly places, and we tell them to back up in Jesus' name. And Father, we ask you to exhale in this sanctuary. Breathe on us. Refresh, renew, and revive. And we give you praise for it. Now before you sit down, I want you to clap your hands and shout to God with a voice of triumph. Come on, y'all. Give God praise. Hallelujah. Come on, do what the Bible says. Clap your hands, all ye people, and shout to God with a voice of triumph. Come on, y'all doing pretty good. I know you've been clapping and singing, but let's get ready for this word today. Now give somebody a fist pump and tell them it's on in the building and we're going to go there now. Amen. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The word dwell there means to sit or to set. Dwell, to be settled in the house of God. To stay with the house of God. To stay in the house of God. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That does not just mean eternity. It means time. Time is the parentheses that God inserted into eternity to accomplish his will. You are a parenthetical being having a spiritual experience. 
you must understand that God works not only in eternity, he works in your everyday life. He's working for you today. My Bible tells me that all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord and are they, they are thee called according to his purpose. He's working on your behalf. God is good. He's good like that. When I was studying today, I discovered that the word house is mentioned 1,700 times in the Bible. 1,700 times the word house is mentioned. In the Amplified Version, verse 6 of Psalm 23 reads like this, Surely goodness and mercy and unfailing love shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell forever throughout all my days in the house and in the presence of the Lord. Can somebody say amen to that? I have my house. You have your house. And God has his house. I have my house. You have your house. But God has his house. What you allow in your house is often determined by who you allow in your house. What you allow in your house is often determined by who you allow in your house. Jesus said, you'll know it's my house when there's prayer going on. He said, my house shall be called, referred to, as the house of prayer. Jesus said, you'll know my house because there's continual communication between earth and heaven and heaven and earth. Spiritual dialogue shall continually be going on in my house. That's how you know. It's my house. Now that rhetoric is powerful because it rests on the shoulders of fleshly activity does not belong in the house. Many times people forget the importance, may I say the significance of the house of the Lord in this day. I wrote this down. Too many, to many people, the house of God is not as important as it once was. And to others, the house of God has never been that important. The word of the Lord tells us just how important the house of God is. Now, some of you were made to go to church when you were children. You weren't asked. You were told. Like some of your wife, the wives had to do to the husbands in here today. How important is the house of God according to the Bible? 1 Samuel chapters number 1, chapter 2, chapter 3 we find a lady named Hannah, 
The Bible says she goes there consistently. She prayed there consistently. God gives her her prayer request and she brings her son to the house of God. He's raised in the house of God and he receives the call of God in the house of God. Which denotes the idea that there are some things you cannot separate from the house of God. The house of God should not be an alternative. Your presence in the house of God should not be negotiable. Second Samuel chapter 12 and verse 20, we find that after David sinned, before he went to his own house, he went to God's house. Solomon built a house for God. David financed the house of God. He said, I have prepared with all my might for the house of God. In 2 Chronicles 29.3, the Bible says that Hezekiah opened the doors to the house of God. Verse 5 says, Hezekiah sanctified the house of God. Isaiah chapter 2, the prophet saw the house of God established in the top of the mountains. And all nations, ethnicities were flowing to that house. Zerubbabel rebuilt the house of God and Nehemiah fortified the house of God. Nehemiah will go on to say in chapter 10 and verse 39, we will not forsake the house of God. A few New Testament references for those of you who think this is Old Testament theology. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, Paul tells Timothy to teach the people how to behave in the house of God. Hebrews 10, 21 says we have a high priest over the house of God. This is just a few. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 17 says judgment begins in the house of God. Denoting the idea that you ought not be able to sit comfortably in the house of God while living in sin. The house of God. Is it important? The first time the words house of God are mentioned in scripture is found in Genesis chapter 28. I'm going to read all of this because it's going to be important where we're going. Verse 10 says, Jacob went out of Beersheba and he went toward Haran. Listen closely. And he stopped upon a certain place. Everybody say certain place. And tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep and he dreamed and behold a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached heaven and behold the angels of God were ascending and descending on that ladder I feel the Holy Ghost y'all I'm sorry I know y'all don't feel it but I feel it and I'm going to try to hold myself together verse 13 and behold the Lord stood above it 
and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac, and the land that you are lying on, to you will I give it and to your seed. And your seed shall be as the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and to the south. And in you and in your seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with you. And I will keep you in all places whither thou goest. And I'll bring you again to this land. For I will not leave you. Listen carefully. I will not leave you until I have done that which I have spoken of. Verse 16, and Jacob woke up out of his sleep. And he said, surely the Lord is in where? This place. This place. And I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, how dreadful or awesome is this place. This is none other but the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had laid his head on for pillows and set it up for a pillar, a memorial. And he poured oil on the top of it. He sanctified it. He consecrated it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. And it was called Luz at first. And Jacob vowed a vow. Help me, Lord. Saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I set up for a pillar shall be what? God's house. And of all that you shall give me, listen carefully, I will give a tenth back to you. This is before the Pentateuch. This is before the law. This is second nature. God, you've been so good to me that I've got to give my tithe back to you. I'll let that rest there. No one told him to do it. He hadn't read Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, or Deuteronomy. <laughs> he just knew I got to get 10 back to it. He could have said 90. If, it would have, if he would have said 90, it would have set the pattern through Scripture. Somebody ought to thank God for Jacob. Because this is the law of first mention in regards to tithe. If he's been good to you, it should be second nature for you to follow that pattern. I'll leave it there. I'm not here to preach on tithe. Some of you are getting real tight right there. I'm not going to the tithe. I know some folks are so tight, they have to use WD-40 on their elbow when they reach for their checkbook. Let's talk about this certain place. The Bible says this certain place that Jacob stopped was between Beersheba and Haran. Beersheba means the place of covenant. Haran means the place of passion. But you've got to look behind the scenes of the story to figure out why this, why this journey was taking place. Jacob 
was in essence running from Esau. He was trying to escape Esau's wrath. He was trying to leave what was chasing him. And he's moving from covenant to passion. Stay with me here. Rebecca caught wind of what was going on, his mother, and suggested that he not hang around because Esau was after him for taking his birthright. Jacob was smart enough to get out of town. It is amazing to me how that all of us are always on a journey. We are sojourning through life. We're going from point A to point B to point C. And it's in that space between the points that we often find certain places to stop. If you're running from something, you ought to thank God that you can find a place of safety, a place of security, a place called the refuge, a place referred to as the house of God. We move through our weeks to get to Sunday so that we can walk in here and escape this world for just a moment to lift our hands with our family, black, white, yellow, brown, and give God praise for all he has done in our life. And this is what's happening with Jacob, Beersheba to Haran. And he stops at a certain place. In verse 17, he says that this place shall be called Bethel, which means the house of God. He says it's the gate of heaven. Don't miss that. The house of God is the what? Gate of heaven. The house of God is the what? Today is the closest you're going to get to heaven until you leave time and enter into eternity. Welcome to the gate of heaven. We're on the threshold of heaven today. It's like we can feel heaven while we're sitting in God's house. The house of God is the gate of heaven. I really believe with all my heart that the house of God sits right outside of the gate of heaven. Jacob is so connected to Bethel that he visits Bethel on seven different occasions. Jacob is connected to the house of God. In verse 12 of our chapter, Genesis 28, the Bible says something interesting. He dreamed a dream and he saw a ladder set up from heaven, from earth to heaven. Top of it reached heaven and angels are ascending and descending on it. Something hit me. Bethel is the place, the house of God is the place where you ought to dream like you've never dreamed before. When you go to the house of God, it ought to make you dream big. You should leave the house of God feeling like any dream that God can give you shall also come to pass. 
And he sees the stairs and angels ascending and descending, intercession going up, answers coming down, the steps of God, the stages of God, the stairs of God are ordered in his word. Jesus tells Nathaniel, you will see angels ascending and descending on the ladder that reaches to heaven in John 1, 51. You shouldn't go to church and not feel spiritual activity. If you can go to church and not experience spiritual activity, you might be in the wrong church. We have turned church in this generation to motivational speeches. We have turned church in this generation to a feel-good gathering. When spiritual activity is going on, oftentimes the atmospheres become chaotic because there are angels and demons warring for your future. People walked in here with curses today. Somebody on your row is likely dealing with a generational curse that has a generational spirit attached to it that followed them to the house of God. So what Jacob saw in Bethel, listen to me carefully, the house of God is spiritual activity. I don't know how you can have church and not have spiritual activity. And it's in the house of God that he saw spiritual activity and he dreamed a dream, a dream of promises. Watch what he says. God tells him in the dream, you're going to have possession. The land you are living on, lying in, to you I'm going to give it into your seed. Obadiah 17 says these words, the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. Come on in this building. Here we go. When you come to the house of God, you ought to feel like everything that God promised to you, you're going to absolutely have. Some of you've got stuff that you possess, you just haven't gotten the keys yet. I'm going to tell you again, there are possessions in your prophetic future that's got your name on it. Just because you don't have the title, just because you don't have the deed, just because you don't have the keys does not mean it's not already yours. If you, go, if you believe that you're going to get everything that God promised you that you would possess, I'm going to give you five sanctified seconds to give God praise that you're going to get all your stuff. I dare you to throw your head back, open your mouth and shout, I'm going to get all that belongs to me. Everything that is mine, I'm going to possess it. The second thing that God shows him in this dream in the house of God is that it's not only for you, but verse 14 says it's for your seed. 
and your seed shall spread out. Can I tell you that God is not trying to get your possessions to you just for you, but he wants to give you enough blessing and enough possession that your children will have a great inheritance just because you believe God. You got to think about what's coming after you. The reason why God wants to bless you with all those possessions is not for you, but it's for that baby girl and for her children. The third thing that he experienced in the house of God was a promise of possession, number one, a promise to his posterity, number two. And number three, in verse 15, he says, I am with you. The third thing that he saw and felt in this dream was the presence of God. And I came by to prophesy to you, declare to you, and decree to you that you're going to have everything God promised. You're going to have enough for an inheritance for your children. And you're going to enjoy the presence of God while you're doing it. Somebody ought to bless him right there. In Exodus 33, verse 14, God makes a promise to Moses. He said, I am going with you. Can I tell you that God's not going to let you visit any place, inhabit any place, drive through any place, own any place, that he's not going to be there with you. And in the presence of the Lord, there's liberty, there's fullness of joy, there's peace. There's comfort, there's calmness. In verse 15 says, and I'm going to preserve you. Possessions, posterity, presence. In verse 15, I will keep you in all places where you go. And I'll bring you back again. Psalm 121 Verse 7 says, the Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forward and forevermore. The word preserve means keep you alive while maintaining you. He shall keep you from decay. He shall keep you in order to prepare you for your future. preaching better than you talking back to me listen to me in the house of God in the house of God he gets a revelation of his possessions he gets a revelation of God's posterity that God is giving him good God have mercy he gets a revelation of the presence of God in his life and then he realizes God is going to preserve him Wherever he goes. And God kept some of y'all when you went to places that you should not have been. I thought I would get a better amen from a witness in this place here today. You know you shouldn't have been there. You know you should not have been in there. But God preserved you because he loves you. God is good. And then the fifth thing he gets is the revelation of God performing the promise. He said, I will not leave you until I have done that which I have spoken to you of. Psalm 119 verse 106. 
I swore it and I will perform it. Romans 4 verse 29 or verse 20 says that Abraham was fully persuaded that what God promised he will also perform. Paul wrote to church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 1 verse number 6. He said I've learned a lot of stuff but I'm confident in this one thing that he who began a good work in you shall also perform it. God didn't show up to participate in your life. God showed up to perform in your life. I want you to know God is about to show up and show off in your life. Suddenly God gave this unfolding of a revelation to me concerning these five points. And God said that's how church service ought to be. That's how it ought to be every time people come to Bethel. Every time people visit the house of God, they ought to leave with an understanding. I'm going to possess everything God promised me. Number two, they ought to understand that they are blessed so their children will be blessed. Number three, they ought to feel the presence of God in the house of God. I'm going to say it again. You should feel the presence of God in the house of God. Now, some of you haven't felt the presence of God today, even though the presence of God is made manifest in this sanctuary today. It's not God's fault. It's your fault. He woke up and he said, oh, my goodness, the presence of the Lord was here and I knew it not. It means he didn't perceive it. He did not understand it. He did not know it. The reason many people do not perceive the presence of God in the house is because their spirit is languid. The spirit is lazy. The spirit ain't looking. You're not going to feel a presence you're not looking for. You're not going to feel a presence you're not pursuing. You're not going to feel a presence you're not giving praise to. My Bible says when the praises go up, he inhabits the praises of his people. If you want the presence of God down here, then you got to send the praises up there. It ain't the platform. It ain't the band. It's you. If you don't feel the presence of God, you're not looking for the presence of God. It's a matter of perception, perceiving, feel for it. He's not far from you if you'll just feel for him. Would you just lift your hands right now because I feel like the presence is wanting to settle in here right now. In the house of God, you should get a revelation of the possessions that God has given you through his word. You should get a revelation that this is not about you. It's about your children and your children's children. You should get a perception of the presence of God in this place. The presence of God is the most important thing in our life. David said, Lord, you can take anything from me, but don't take your presence from me because I can't live without your presence. I'm talking about that presence that makes you pull your car over in a parking lot and cry hot tears down your cheeks while you're worshiping him. I'm talking about the presence of God that will invade your home, set up in your living room, and you got to get on your knees with your hands raised and just worship him. I'm talking about the presence of God that when you're walking through a parking lot, it just drops on you, and you got to stop and say, God, I feel you right now. 
I have great respect for people that you're talking to and they just say, hold up, man, I feel God right now. I feel God right now. You know what I'm praying? That this week you're in conversations with people and you just have to say, hold up. Hold up just a minute. I feel God all over me right now. And they may look at you weird like you're the strangest person in the earth. Don't let it move you. Enjoy that presence because in that presence is a word of discernment, a word of knowledge, a prophetic word, a word of understanding. In the house of God, you ought to enjoy the presence of God. When you're in a church service, you should get a revelation. God's keeping us, Isaiah. He's, he's preserving us. He's holding us. Oh, my goodness. And when you leave church, you ought to leave church knowing he will perform everything. He's, God will do what he said he will do. He will stand by his word. Come on in this building, and he will come through. Bless your name, Jesus. Thank you for Bethel. Throw your hands up and shout, God, thank you for Bethel. A house where we can dream. A house filled with spiritual activity. A house filled with your presence. A house filled with your performance. A house filled with our children. A house filled with the idea of preservation. Thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, give him one quick praise here. Come on, y'all, give him praise. gets in his house when God gets in his house when God gets in his house when God gets in his house he starts moving stuff around he brings a sense of calmness and security he brings a sense of provision and possession when God gets in his house six days in Arizona preparing for this vision service we were doing the four quadrants worship work play and rest we worshiped we worked on the vision then we roped then we rested then we started over that cycle. Stay with me. We were coming home. It's a 14-hour drive with a trailer full of horses. It's smart to stop in Albuquerque because it's halfway. 
so everybody can rest. But me and old Josh, y'all know old Josh, right? You got to watch stopping at certain stations with Josh. We're coming back. We had full intentions of stopping in Albuquerque. I looked at him and I said, Josh, I think we can make it all the way. He said, 14 hours, Pastor. I said, 14 hours. I'm going to take seven, and you're going to take seven. He looked at me and smiled and said, I like it. He said, listen to it. I'm ready to get home. Listen my kids it hit me Michael I can't wait to get to my house to see my wife and my baby y'all ain't hearing me because that house is there with a wife and a baby but it ain't a home until I get there. Y'all follow me what I'm saying? Because I own the house. And every time I come home from a long trip, I buy as many toys as I can get in my truck. It's ridiculous. And I do it for one reason. To see River do this. That's what he does. And I, and I got the bag behind me every time. And I say, what do you do? He says, one, two, three. Like, give me the gift. And I give them to him one at a time. From the smallest to the biggest. And each one, he, he sits down and he starts playing with it. And I was thinking, if I'm not excited, to get to my house to give my child some kind of gift then how excited do you think God gets to get to church with you on Sunday morning so that he can start passing out stuff God is here because it's his house you are his children he said if you ask for bread I'm not going to give you a stone what are you asking for today? You in the house. Whose house? God's house. I dare you to throw your hands up and say, Lord, give me what you brought for me. Shout it, give me what you brought for me. Jim, I, 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 I'm reluctant to say this, and only a few people know this because the media team's involved with this message, that I'm only halfway through. The only people that know this is me and them because they got their, my notes back there they put on the screen, and they're thinking, my God, this man has preached this long on point number one. We're going to be here till two, maybe three. 
Have you ever been to somebody's house that you couldn't wait to leave? You walk in and it's tight. Somebody been fighting in the house. <laughs> and you walk in, you can feel it. You're like, oh, huh. How are y'all doing today? <laughs> You're already looking at the door like, okay, thanks for having us. <laughs> and then they tell you, come again when you don't have so long to stay. <laughs> then you go to other folks' homes and they make you feel so welcome. You know, you go to some houses, you feel like you're in a museum. Don't touch this. Don't touch that. Don't do that. You go to other folks' house, you feel like you're in a zoo. I ain't going to say the rest of it. But there's just stuff everywhere. But when you go to someone's house, my mama's house, my daddy's house, my mama's home. When you walked in, Tim will tell you, am I right? You walk in my mama's house, the first thing she's going to do, Tim, let me get you some coffee, baby. Sit down. You go and drink coffee. <laughs> Community coffee. And then she just wants to sit down with you. See, Isaiah, she just wants to talk. How's your day? Isaiah, how old are you? Are you married? Do you have any children? And she's just going to make, do you like banana pudding? I've got some in the refrigerator. Let me get you some. She don't even let you answer. I've, let me get you some. God's house. You feel like mama's house. Where you come in and you feel at home. It shouldn't be coming to your house and you got a brother sitting across the living room looking at you like. I've been in homes like that and it's so uncomfortable. I'm not bragging. I'm just thanking God. My family, Tim will tell you, us brothers, we still kiss each other on the cheek. I kissed Randy the other day on the cheek. I told him you did a good job preaching. I ain't giving you no offering, but you did a great job <laughs> preaching. We were together yesterday in my truck for a couple of hours. We started talking about, the, I started telling about this message, CPAT, that I'm preaching today. And we started talking about the goodness of God and what God's house has meant to he and I. Can I tell you in a matter of about two minutes, see, I'm a crybaby, see? We start crying. We got tears coming down our face and we're just thanking God for all the times we felt his presence in his house. See, what I want to do is preach the rest of this, but there's no way. I can't. It's too long. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. 
four pages. So I'll stop. If you come to the vision service tonight, I'll just give you just a capsule or a summation of the second part. Man, I feel God of this message. You know what I hear the Holy Spirit saying? Daddy's home. Father is in the house. You know when he gets in that house, he don't leave. Even when you do. The prodigal left the father's house and the daddy never went to chase him. He stayed with the house because he knew if the boy came back and he wasn't there, he may not get restored correctly. Are you hearing me talking to you? Now, this ain't in my notes. This is just the Holy Ghost. He didn't go looking for him because he might have missed him, and then the boy come home, and the boy be scared because no one is there to restore him properly. And that's why the prodigal said, if I can get not to my mother's house, he said, if I can just get to my father's house. And when he got back, where was the father? waiting for him and he saw him and he ran to him and he hugged him and he said my son who was lost is now found he said kill the fatted calf get a ring get sandals for his feet get a robe for his back can I tell you the father's in the house today this is his house this is not my house Your, this is God's house and he wants to touch you today and he wants to give you gifts today. And he want, would you stand? Would you stand and lift your hands? I got a lot of notes. I'm just passing by. Would you lift your hands and just worship? He's here. You know what I'm praying right now more than anything is that you know he's here. How many times did I come home? As a teenager, when my dad would be out of town working on a pipeline, and I missed him so bad, he'd be gone for two months. I wouldn't know he was coming home, but when I walked into the house, I'd say I could feel his presence and not even see him. I could tell by how mama was acting and by how my brothers was acting, daddy's home. Because when daddy's home, the children act different. He's here. He's in his house. If you say, Pastor Rick, this is my word, man. I needed this word. Would you lift your hand real